0: As an undergraduate at St. Hilda's College, Oxford, I studied English literature. Our first term was devoted to the Victorians. We loved them. We swept happily through the Bronte sisters, Thomas Hardy, Dickens, and even George Eliot. Jane Austen, but with peasants, as my friend Joanna put it. But our second term was devoted to modernism, and we began with Heart of Darkness, which was published in 1899. Here, our ride came to a sad halt. I tried again and again, but I couldn't seem to get past the first six or seven pages. Reading this difficult novella felt like climbing a slippery cliff. There was nothing to grab onto. Occasionally, I thought I'd found a foothold, but the next moment I'd feel myself falling again, unable to focus, losing my place. Everything was impossible, impenetrable, implacable. I'd lie on my bed with the book in my hand, and suddenly, I'd be miles away, thinking of a dream I'd had, or wondering what to wear. Whenever I tried to pick up the story's thread again, I'd be lost. In fact, there hardly seemed to be a story at all. It was horribly frustrating. By the day of my tutorial, I'd got to the end of the novella, only in the sense that I'd looked at the words and turned the pages until there were no more of them to turn. There was only one scene I could remember and I could remember it only because it came early in the story and I'd found myself reading it over and over again. The protagonist, Marlowe, has been hired to replace a steamship captain who's been killed in the Congo after a scuffle with the natives. Before leaving Europe, Marlowe visits his employer's offices to meet the manager and fill out some final paperwork. There's a mounting sense of foreboding. The offices are located on a... Narrow and deserted street in deep shadow, and dead silence. Marlowe enters through immense double doors standing ponderously ajar, climbs a staircase, and comes to a waiting room where two women dressed in black guard the door to the manager's office. The atmosphere gets even darker. I began to feel slightly uneasy, confesses Marlowe. I am not used to such ceremonies, and there was something ominous in the atmosphere. It was just as though I had been let into some conspiracy. I don't know, something not quite right, and I was glad to get out. But the interview isn't over. The company requires Marlowe to have a consultation with a doctor who takes his pulse, then asks him, with a certain eagerness, if he'd mind having his head measured. Marlowe, rather surprised, agrees. The doctor then produces a pair of calipers and proceeds to appraise various dimensions of his skull, taking careful notes all the while. I always ask leave in the interest of science to measure the crania of those going out there, says the doctor. And when they come back, too? Marlow asks him. Oh, I never see them, the doctor replies. And moreover, the changes take place inside, you know. I like the agitated, portentous tone of this scene. I like the idea of someone having their head measured before going on a dangerous journey, and I like the idea that they never come back. The rest of the book made no sense to me. But during my tutorial, everything changed. My tutor, Lyndall Gordon, sitting in a deep armchair, brought the story to life. The heart of darkness she described that rainy afternoon sounded nothing like the dry term I'd been struggling with. Her Heart of Darkness was a gruesome, disturbing story about cannibals, slaves, nightmares, morbid rituals, and severed heads on stakes. It's just your cup of tea, she said, in her lovely South African accent, knowing how much I loved horror stories. This Heart of Darkness was immeasurably more mysterious and compelling than the book I'd been trying to read. How could I have missed those severed heads on stakes? When I'd first confessed to Lyndall, who shaped and framed my love of literature, that I wanted to be an academic like her, she shook her head. Oh no, I don't see you in that role at all, she said. I was surprised and dismayed, but I can see why she responded as she did. I even saw it at the time. I had an enormous capacity for self-discipline, but I didn't identify with authority, or with established ways of doing things. I could be oppositional, sometimes to an extreme degree. I was odd and unpredictable, and although I could certainly be described as eccentric, I wasn't eccentric in the academic way, in the sense that I wasn't detail-oriented. I didn't care enough about getting the footnotes right. Looking back, I wasn't ready for Heart of Darkness.